What if just beyond this season of turmoil is your best season yet? Kevin Wallace dives into how God can turn any season into a time of blessing in his new book, After This. It's available now to order. Receive your copy today by visiting www.kevinwallace.tv. Stand firm and believe there is an After This. Hey family, Kevin Wallace here from Redemption to the Nations Church. I've got a message for you today that I believe God gave me to bring strength and hope and joy to your journey. I want you to get your heart open. I want you to get ready to receive this word. I don't believe your life's ever going to be the same again. God's getting ready to take you to a new level. I'll see you at the end of this message and we'll pray together. God bless. Enjoy this word. I want to speak to the purpose of this house today, to the future of this place. I believe God quickened a word in my heart regarding our purpose. Look at somebody and tell them God has a purpose. I want to preach today about the restoration people. The rest. Look at somebody and tell your neighbor, say, we are the restoration people. <laughs> yeah. And I want you to go to Isaiah 58, verse 6. And uh, listen, first of all, I just want to say how much I appreciate y'all being here on the Sunday after the day after Christmas. I recognize there's a lot of people traveling, a lot of people got family, and, and uh, you know, some people say, you know, this is a good Sunday to have online service, and I'm grateful for online service, and for all of those that are watching online, we're grateful, but this is the day the Lord has made, and there's no place I'd rather be on the last Sunday of the year to give thanks to God than in this building, and there's no place I'd rather be than this place getting ready for what God is about to do in 2022. So we're going to close strong, amen? Isaiah chapter 58, verses 6 through 12, I want to talk about the restoration people for a moment. Let me say a couple things at the beginning because I don't want to lose this opportunity in the middle of this sermon. I have no clue where we'll end up. So a couple of things. Do not forget that this Friday night I recognize that it is in uh, Nashville. It's a two-hour drive and that some of us can't get there. That's totally, we get it. I, I do hope some of you who can make it will come. It's going to be a powerful night. We felt like God quickened in our heart to join our dear friends, pastors, Amanda and Aaron Crabb and the Restoring Hope Church, they're actually going to be in their new building. Um, they have just, uh, they're working on the final acquisition of it, but they're getting a new property just a bit uh, northeast of where they were. It's incredible what God's done for them. We believe Nashville is a strategic place in this region. And there's something happening in the city of Nashville, and we are very connected to the Crab family. They're amazing people, and they love God. A powerful thing is happening. And so we're just going to join them. Felt like God gave us the green light to join them to, to be a part of this regional thing, and we're going to go up there. Our worship team is going with us. We're going to have a powerful night. It's going to be incredible, and we're going to bring in the new year. I think they're having fireworks afterwards. Somebody told me that. I don't know. Maybe. If not, I'll buy some bottle rockets maybe and uh, give you your money's worth. Amen. Uh, but, but if you can't get there, get there. But listen, here's the most important thing. Starting on January the 1st, we will launch the 100 movement. I told you last Sunday over, and I don't know what the number is now, as of last Sunday, there was 170 churches already decided to partner with us. I've been getting texts throughout the week, phone calls throughout the week from pastors and friends who said, Kev, we're with you in Devon for 100 days to glory. 
Listen, I have no clue what will happen on the other side of this. Devin and I have made no promises. But I know what the word says. If you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. Amen. And I just believe this is a time for some of us to put a spiritual priority in our lives at the beginning of a new year. And God's going to do something powerful. Four things for 100 days. 100 days in which we will give the Lord 100 minutes a week, 12 to 15 minutes a day in prayer. 100 days. The first 100 days of the year, we will give the Lord 100 minutes a week in the Word. 100 days of generosity and random acts of kindness demonstrating the heart and the love of God. And 100 days of fasting and consecration, giving something to the Lord. And listen, I'm going to preach today about that. I know it's the last Sunday of the year, and somebody say, there's no way you're going to preach on fasting on the last Sunday of the year. Yes, I am. Because God's about to do something and give us a breakthrough in the likes of which I believe in all my heart. We've never seen anything like it before. And I want to talk about it today because there's some things that God opened up to my heart, revealed to us, to me, concerning our purpose as a church. And I just, I don't know if I'll be able to get through it all today. I'll do my best. But Isaiah 58, verse 6 is where I want to launch from. We're going to read about six passages of Scripture here. We're going to jump into this. When you got it, say amen. Is this, is not this the fast that, now this is God talking through the prophet to the people of Israel. Is not this the fast that I have chosen to loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke? Is, not this, is it not that you share your bread with the hungry and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out? And when you see the naked, that you cover him and not hide yourself from your own flesh. Then, somebody say then. It's real important. Then your light shall break forth like the morning. Your healing shall spring forth speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. And the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer and you will cry and he will say, here I am. How many know it's good when God says, here I am? If you take away the yoke from your midst, the finger pointing. Maybe that pause was for somebody online. The speaking wickedness. If you will extend your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then your light, somebody say then, then your light will dawn in the darkness and your dark, darkness shall be as the noonday. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in a drought. Strengthen your bones and you will be like a watered garden and a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Those among you, this is what the Lord quickened to me for this house today. Those among you shall build the old waste places. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You will be called, feel this y'all, you will be called the repairer of the breach and the restorer of streets to dwell in. And I want to talk about the restoration people for a few minutes today. Help us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Be seated. So as I was preparing and just getting my heart ready for today, the Lord, 
I was going to talk just really explicitly almost about fasting and, and, and consecration and making sure we understand what that is, and I'm going to do that in just a few minutes, but um, th this was a bigger thing. God began to open up Isaiah 58 to me and began to speak to me about purpose. I was reminded of, uh, of an event that happened to Devin and I maybe 17, 18 years ago. We had just moved to Ottawa. We bought our first house on Burning Bush Lane. Remember that, babe? Burning Bush Lane, and a horrible hurricane moved up from the Gulf, and it moved into our region, and it just sat on top of Chattanooga for days. It was a low-pressure system, and it rained, and it stormed, and it rained, and it stormed, and our basement, and, and in fact, our whole region just got totally obliterated by flooding. They called in FEMA to come in, and there were a lot of people displaced from their homes. And I'll never forget walking down in our basement. There was about three or four inches of water in our basement, carpet totally ruined, part of the walls totally ruined, some electronics, couches, stuff, just totally gone. And, and it, all happened, it all happened just like that. And I remember call, calling FEMA to come out, and they come out and looked, and, you know, they gave us a report, and, and, and when FEMA comes, they give you some money to help you restore things. So, you know, it was Jubilee. We went from a storm to a check. How I many know oh, that was a blessing? Amen. But part of the check, we, what we had to do was we had to call a company that was devoted to restoration. And we called this restoration company, and they come out, and they did an analysis of our house. They said, your carpet is ruined, we can't save the carpet. And I remember they had to cut off part of the sheetrock around the bottom because it had gotten water in it. The trim, the baseboard had gotten water, it swole up, and it was all, it was absolutely useless. They had to tear the carpet out. They had to extract the water. They sucked all the water out. They put these massive fans. Anybody know what I'm talking about? They put these massive fans in our basement and heaters, and they were trying to, to take that, that water and all that humidity in the atmosphere and get it out of the house because the house was continuing to uh, experience just, just decimation. It was, we lost everything in the basement. I'll never forget it. And the restoration people come in. And about a week after the restoration people had gotten there, everything was dried out. In fact, they had begun to put the house back together. They, uh, uh, we got tile put back in the house, and they restored the house. And after they got through with the restoration of the house in the bottom, in the basement, you could walk through my basement, and had you not known the story I just told you, you would have never known my basement ever got flooded. Because the restoration people are there to put things back like they're supposed to be. And I want to tell you right now, we're living in a world that has had some storms, and we're living in a nation that has had some mess, and we're living in a generation that has been through one battle after another, and there is decimation, and there is devastation, and there is destruction almost everywhere you look. And I want to tell you that the answer for what's going on in this world will never come flying out of a legislation in Washington. It will never come flying out of a political party 
property in D.C. It won't come through some turn of events on Wall Street. I'm telling you that the only hope for this crazy, devastated, dark world that we're living in is the restoration people, the righteous redeemed of the Lord to stand up and to hear the call of a bunch of hurting people and to say, you know what? We're coming right down there where all the mess is. We're not running away from it. We're not going to try to escape it. We're not just going to live our great life and watch hell break loose. We have an anointing from the Holy Spirit to make a difference in this world. And it's time for the people who've experienced grace to release grace and see the grace of God heal things and put things back together. Somebody say amen. It's the restoration people. That's who we are. We're not just a religious people. We're a restoration people. There's a lot of religious people, and they don't have any more, any more anointing or grace to, to, to make a difference in lives. And I'm just telling you that the people of God, I'm not just talking about our church. I'm talking about the true people of God who know the grace of God, who are filled with the person and the work of Jesus within. Those people are the answer and the cure for the sickness and the blight and the problem that is in America today. It's amazing how the enemy wants us to become the enemy. The enemy wants to make us look like the enemy. A lot of, there's, a lot of, uh, there's a lot of talk lately about how the church is the problem. I tell you right now, there are some people in the church that can be a problem, but the church of the living God is not a problem. The church is God's solution. In fact, let me freak you out. I told you this a couple weeks ago. I hope you remember this. There is no plan B. There is no plan B. If the church doesn't get the job done, it's not like Jesus has another group of people to go find. You and I are the salt of the earth. You and I are the light of the world. He told you and I in Matthew 28 and in Mark 15, go into all the world and do the work of the gospel. There is no other option. There is no other plan. And so in Isaiah chapter 58, now, theologians vacillate, and some believe that this was written to people in Babylon getting ready to come back home. Another group of theologians believe that Isaiah was prophesying to those who had already come home from Babylon and were just starting to put life back together. And, and, and I don't suppose it makes a difference in the context of what I'm preaching today whether they were already back from Babylon or getting ready to come back from Babylon. The reality of it is they were people who were going to have to rebuild and restore broken lives. If they were in Babylon or if they were already coming home from Babylon is irrelevant to this message today because the reality of it is when they got back home, everything was destroyed. Their temple was razed to the ground. Their homes and their communities totally obliterated. And because these are pious Jewish religious people here in this Isaiah 58, they did what they had always historically done. They fasted. They began to, to read the ordinances of God. They began to go through all of their checklists for things to do when they were under such pressure. They they had historically been a people devoted to seeking the Lord and to, to doing all the religious, pious, holy-looking things. 
And here they are, according to verse 2 in Isaiah 58. You can read this when you get home. According to Isaiah 58, verse 2, these people are, are a people who are engaged in transgression. Listen carefully. God told Isaiah, cry aloud and don't hold back. Show my people, not the lost. I hope you're hearing me today. Not the sinner, but show my people their transgression. And the crazy thing is that he's talking to a people who are engaged in spiritual things. Look at verse 2. Isaiah, keep your Bible open to Isaiah 58. Maybe that will save us some time here. Look at this. He said, they seek me daily. They delight to know my ways. As a nation, they did righteousness. They forsook not the ordinance of God. They actually ask of me the ordinances of justice. They take delight in approaching God. Look at verse 3. Wherefore have we fasted, they said, and we do not see you, God. We have afflicted our soul and we haven't learned any knowledge. And God is in heaven looking at these people who are coming back from Babylonian captivity They're engaged in seeking God. They haven't forsaken the ordinances of God. They have fasted and pushed food to the side. And all of us would read verse 2 and think, these are amazing church members. And yet God says, the fast that you're engaged in, it's, it's... It's superficial. It's a veneer. It looks spiritual and religious. You're denying your own flesh. You're reading my law and my ordinances. You actually have a prayer time where you seek me daily, but there's some things I need to talk to you about. While you're on the one hand engaged in spiritual activity, On the other hand, you have missed the hypocrisy of your ways. This is tough to teach on a Sunday, the day after Christmas, when all the faithful are here. And this is when the, this, all all of you here today, you are for real saved, right? You are the ones that are for real. You are really walking with God. So I'm, I'm, I'm having a conflict within as I teach this because I didn't come to beat up on the faithful. Maybe this is for everybody on, on, on television. I don't know. But here's what I want to tell you. God will not ignore what you and I fail to do simply because we are in the midst and, and racing toward a, a time of preparation in our heart. If all of our preparation ignores the most important thing to God. He will not honor our fasting and our prayer. Hear me very carefully. What is that thing? I'm going to show you right here. God says, while you're fasting, while you're praying, while you're in your word, he's telling these people this. He said, I got some things to say to you. You fast for strife and debate. To smite with the fist of wickedness. To make your voice, this is what God really highlighted to me, to make your voice heard on high. There are people in, there were people in Israel who were actually fasting as an argument with other people 
and wanted their argument to be heard in heaven. It was as if they were going to God, wanting God to take their side. I'm not getting any help. If our prayer time is consumed with praying against other people, the prayers we are praying will not be heard. If our fasting is about getting rid of people we don't like, people that are different than us, people that don't see things exactly like we see them, there is this thing called motive that matters in the kingdom of God. And there are some people in the kingdom of God who want the king to approve of them in, in the process of them trying to hate on or to come against other people. It's almost as if we go to, to Father God and we have an argument going on with our brother and we want him to choose our side. Hey family, I wanted to pause right in the middle of this message and thank all of our partners who are helping us to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ around this nation and around this world. Listen, if the message you're hearing today is bringing strength and life to you, I'd love for you to go to kevinwallace.tv. Check out how we can partner together and how you can be a part of helping us continue to spread this good news of Jesus Christ around the world. Let's get back into the message. I'm praying God bless you and your family today. Enjoy. And we fight with people and we argue with people. And here's the thing, we read our Bible and we fast and we pray, but the Bible said that they were wearing their laborers out in the middle of their fast, which means this, they were as caught up with um, this commercialism, they were as caught up with this, this drive for productivity, this drive for more stuff, this drive for more money, this drive, they, they had that and they didn't care who they ran over. While they were fasting, they were still, they were still trying to, to drive people and pulverize them into the dirt all while they're seeking God. And God said, I've had enough of that kind of fasting. Read Isaiah 58. I've had enough of the kind of fasting where you think you can draw near me without drawing closer to each other. He said, you fast and this is the fast that I chose, verse 6. fast I chose is not about you increasing the burden on people's lives. It's about you lifting the burden on people's lives. The fast that I chose for you, the consecration I chose for you is not about you increasing wickedness. It's about the removal of wickedness. It's not about you getting more out of people. It's about you giving people more of what you have. I'm really upsetting the apple cart today. God says, verse 6, I came to give you a fast that loosed the bands of wickedness to undo heavy burdens to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke? How is it that we can fast and, and, and seek God and stay okay with people burdened in yokes? Do you know what a yoke is? A yoke is an agricultural tool that farmers would use to get the most out of the ox. And they would put two ox in a yoke, and the ox 
yoke had these two ox in it, and one ox was the smart ox or the lead ox, and the other oxen is called the dumb ox. Don't want to insult anybody today. I'm just telling you what they called it. And the lead ox would steer the ox, and the dumb ox is only there to follow and use his strength for the purpose in which the lead ox was leading. And there are people in Israel in this day who are yoked up with things that are steering their lives into directions that are ruining their futures. There's someone in this room today who needs to hear me say, 2022 is the year you come out of agreement with the yoke that has been leading you into cycles of defeat and cycles of depression and cycles of defeat and cycles of hopelessness. And you keep following this lead ox called the flesh and it keeps leading you into things that don't bring you joy. And today I want to tell you there is a another yoke and it's a different kind of yoke and that yoke is the yoke of Christ and Jesus said it like this come to me all ye who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest learn of me and take of me because watch my yoke is easy and my burden is light if you've been in a yoke with the flesh it'll bring you to despair if you've been in a yoke of religion it will bring you to a place of hopelessness but if you get in a yoke with Jesus he'll lead you in the path of righteousness. He'll pull the weight. He'll lift the burden. You'll have joy unspeakable and full of glory. Tell somebody this morning, say, this is the year. Say, this is the year. You're coming into agreement, not with the lies, but you're coming into agreement with the promises of God over your life. The devil should have killed you in 2021 because 2022 is going to be a year of breakthrough. It's going to be a year of blessing as you come into the yoke with Christ. Somebody give God praise. Break every yoke. Now this is it. It's not this the fast that I've chosen to you for you. Verse 7, listen. To deal your bread to the hungry. Bring the poor that are cast out into your house. Got quiet. We can do the spiritual prayer, read the Bible thing. But when it comes to meeting somebody's need, sometimes that's too much for us. And we see things like this, they should get a job. Well, there are lazy people who need to get a job, but there are also poor people who can't. Where is my help, Jesus? We turn a nose up in this pursuit of the American dream. We turn our nose up at people who have less than us. And we say if they would just work harder, they'd have more. I tell you, there are some lazy people who need to get a revelation of hard work. I do agree with that. But there are also people whose minds are broken and spirits have been crushed. And they only need someone to demonstrate the love of God. And I just want to tell you that the reason I'm preaching this is because some people are wondering where their victory is. You pray, you shout, you speak in tongues. 
tongues, your tithe, your gift, and you still got a hole on the inside. I'll tell you why. God refuses to let you and I feel full when our lives have not been dedicated to bringing others who are broken into a place of healing. If you really want to taste and see that the Lord is good, you got to share what he gave you with the world. Say amen. He's getting at something here. He's getting at a people who want to be religious without getting their nails dirty, fingernails. (laughs) Sisters are like, I know what he's talking about. When Devin goes and gets her nails done, she doesn't do anything for two days. It's a joke, Dev. Just calm down. <laughs> he said, my Lord. <laughs> my Lord, yes. She's very careful. She's got my nails done. What we're dealing with the church is a church with a fresh manicure. We got a fresh manicure, and we don't want no messed up people getting our religious nails dirty. Oh, we'll fast and pray. We'll fast and pray. We'll even fall out and speak in tongues. But when we pass somebody on the road with a sign up that says, I need food, keep going. God is saying, Where are the people who will? Do all the spiritual stuff but not miss the most important thing. And that is setting the oppressed free. Can I tell you something gnaws at me as your pastor? It just keeps me up at night, wakes me up early in the morning sometimes, is knowing that people can come to our church bound and go home the same way they came. That troubles me. I pray about it. I roll in the floor sometimes, I beat on the floor, and I say, God, this gospel is real. It changed me, it changed my brother-in-law, Gary. Who else did it change in here? Has the gospel changed anybody? Has any, I'm not talking about decent people that just needed a religious band-aid. Was anybody in here really screwed up? And now you're not so screwed up anymore? Can we just thank God for the power of Jesus? My God, I'm getting ready to stir something up right here. I'm telling you, I will not just get through a service and get out of here and go eat lunch. He's been too good to me for that. Can anybody attest to the fact that you are a wreck? You are a mess. You are on your way to hell. And today, your life is better. Better in every way. I may not be what I'm going to be, but I'm not what I used to be. Because of Jesus. I believe it's real. And if I believe it's real, I believe it's real not just for the decent people, but it's real for the most vile. It works for the most screwed up. It works for those who have no hope. And I'm afraid the church... And I'm talking about our church. I'm talking about the church at large. We began to adopt this idea that the gospel is only a—it's uh, only a decent person's gospel. It—it it, it doesn't. 
It doesn't work for the really messed up. It works for those who are just kind of messed up. Oh, but I want to remind you about a man named Legion who was full of demons. Jesus loaded a boat up with his disciples. They got off the boat and put their feet on the land of Gadara. And a man who lived in the caves and walked around with chains on ran up to him. And Jesus asked him what his name was. And he said, Legion, for we are many. And that's how I feel like some people come to church sometimes. They come to church with many devils. They come to church with many problems. We ask you who you are and you say, I'm Legion. My marriage is falling apart. My children are falling apart. My mind is going crazy. You got problems everywhere you turn around and religion says just let them keep coming if you're real lucky they'll keep coming screwed up but pay their tithes but that's not the gospel the gospel is not come here and give and stay screwed up the gospel is come on in all ye who are weary and heavy laden everybody feeling like you're falling apart on the inside everybody who feels like there is no hope for tomorrow I feel God in this room. I want to tell you that's the gospel. Jesus came to seek and to save those who are lost, those who are bound, those who are oppressed, those who are sick in their mind and in their body. I can't take a heart that's broken and make it whole again, but I know a man who can. His name Somebody give him praise. I worship you, Lord. I worship you, Lord. I, I want 2022 to be a year where you who are listening to me preach, who feel most depressed and most hopeless, I want it to be a year where you come into a place no more wickedness, no more yoke, no more oppression, because the gospel can set everyone free. When that man Legion came to Jesus, Jesus cast the devil out of him, threw him in a group of pigs. Pigs ran off the side of the cliff. And the Bible says it like this. The next scene of that story that man was no longer legion, and he was no longer in grave clothes. He was sitting down, clothed, and in his right mind. I feel my help coming on me here. I tell you, 2022 is going to be a year where people who are stripped, beaten, and defeated are going to get their clothes back, going to get their authority back, going to get their victory back, going to get their breakthrough back. That's why we're fasting. We're not fasting to pass some religious test. We're not fasting to ignore what is most important to the heart of God and hope that he ignores the fact that while we're fasting, we pass the hurts of others. See, fasting ought to sensitize us. In a desensitized world, fasting should sensitize us to the pain and the plight and the problems and the needs of humanity around us. 
And God says, I don't want you just drawing closer to me and ignoring the pain of those around you. I want you to set people free. Well, why do we have to have Together Cafe and why do we have to go rescue women in human trafficking? Because it's what God would do. Well, we ought to preach the gospel and not get involved in social things. You haven't read your Bible. Jesus delivers those who are in captivity. And while a whole generation of church people think it's okay to speak in tongues and fall in the floor and have no affect on the community around them, Jesus says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. There is a disconnect between people who want to be spiritual but don't want to get their fingernails dirty with the oppression of humanity. You and I are called to be people of restoration. I tell you, there are times I get phone calls to, 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 to intervene and to help people who have oh, made a mess of life, wrecked their ministry, wrecked their family, wrecked people around them. I don't want to get involved with it. I want to sit in my nice house in my office and read my Bible and prepare sermons and speak in tongues. But that's not what people who tasted and seen the goodness of God are permitted to do. And I'm terribly confused. We think that God is willing to ignore what we just don't want to get involved with. God doesn't ignore it by simply saying it doesn't matter. Now that you're fasting and you're reading your Bible for 100 days, we're not going to have some magical breakthrough if the things that are important to God don't become important to us. So we're going to spend some time fasting and praying. We're going to spend some time in our word. But we need to feed some hungry people. Spiritually and physically. And we do this. Pastor, Gary, how many thousands of pounds of food did we give away last year, you think? Are you serious? Over a million, he doesn't lie. He doesn't lie. He, he does a lot of things, but he doesn't lie. Hallelujah. I'm kidding. He's a mighty man of God. Pastor, tell, me, tell Pastor Gary you love him today because he's a mighty man of God. Mighty man of God. He's my brother-in-law, my brother in love, my brother in Christ. We've been hooked up for a long time. This house has been involved in giving away over one million pounds of food this year. That is a pathetic praise. I think we ought to give God praise that we've been able to give away over a million pounds of food. That's a reason to praise God. We're going to keep doing that. We're going to keep helping people. We're going to keep loving people. And we're going to fast and pray for the first 100 days and we're not just going to get so locked into our spiritual world that we close our eyes to the pain of the world around us. Because if you want to see God break you and your family through, be a part of helping someone else break through. I think, yes, Lord, thank you. I think some people in our church who own businesses ought to have some jobs sometimes. 
for some people just starting to recover. And they just, I'm not talking about running your finance department. <laughs> I'm talking about just pushing a broom or, 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 or just driving something somewhere. I think we ought to give people some hope and give people, are you hearing what I'm saying? Give people some opportunity. Give people some, some chances. And, and I just want to tell you that, that, that our, our ministry here has been devoted over the years of not just finding the most qualified, but finding those whose hand God is on, whose lives are being redeemed. I look at my, I look at my Chris here. He's not mine. That ain't what I mean, but I, I, I call him my Chris because he's been with me for so long. The first time he came, you've heard this. He came with cut off blue jeans on some flip flops and had a pack of Marlboros and smelled like he just smoked half of them and tattooed Jesus on his leg. And he goes, yo, 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 I hear you got an internship. What's up with that? And I said, where did you come from, bro? Like, where did you come from? This is incredible. And I want to tell you now, he is preaching the gospel. He travels this world with me. God has raised him up and is using his life. And if you'd have seen him 15 years ago, you wouldn't have said, oh my God, that dude has got it together. But I'm going to tell you this morning, he's got it together because God got it together for him. And you've heard this story, and this is what's crazy. The Sunday morning, he testifies about his record being totally expunged, totally forget everything in your past, totally forgiven. I get a call from a friend of mine who works in Nashville in the governor's office. He said, Bishop, you're not going to believe this. The governor called me today and told me I needed to watch this service and listen to this young man. The governor was watching the Sunday morning. He was testifying about the governor signing his pardon. I said, the governor, y'all don't hear what I'm telling you. And what you don't know is that the insurance company said you can't hire him. And what I told the insurance company was, it's been nice knowing you. I'll just go find another insurance company. Because when you have been delivered and you've tasted the goodness of God, you don't just want to have a neat little religious experience. You want to set people free. So this is what we're going to do. We're not just going to go spend 100 days of getting closer to God. Because while you think you're getting closer to God, if what's important to him doesn't become important to you, you're still a 1,000 miles away. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, don't miss it. Ready? Here's your sign. They don't know what that means. I'm sorry. Devin's helping me. My humor's failing me today. What's your sign? Here's your sign. Don't miss it. Don't pursue God and try your best to get closer and still find yourself after 100 days of fasting, prayer, reading the Bible, and living generously and you're still as far away from God then as you are right now. These people said to God, why do we fast? Why do we pray? And you don't show up. That's what they said. And God said, because as much as you're doing on the surface, you haven't found my heartbeat yet. I want the oppressed to go free. I want the marginalized to find hope. 
I want you to bring them to your house. I want you to bring them to your house. I want you to see 2022 as a year to bring people to the banquet of the Lord. <laughs> we got Seth here. Seth has like food trucks all over Chattanooga. They're the best hamburgers. What are the tater tots called? With uh, uh, tachos, tachos. Jesus, <sighs> tachos are going to be served in heaven. I mean, they are absolutely amazing. Seth's got food truck. It's the best food you've ever put in your mouth. And when we had uh, Ruach, we had them out back. We had lines for days. And when we fed people out here for another event, we had lines for days. And we had all these people come. And the food was paid for. And all we wanted them to do was just get in line and come and eat. Here's the deal. Get that out of that baby's mouth. Hallelujah. And maybe come do the Heimlich in the middle of my sermon. Glory to God. Cut that out, Chad. Take that out of TV. Hallelujah. We had food for days. All people had to do was just show up and eat. The food was prepared. The table was set. Seth had got all the tachos and hamburgers and onion rings and everything was there. All we had to do is feed the people. Listen to me. The king has put a banquet together. Just got to get them in the house. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. This is one reason why all this foolishness about Omicron, I'm getting ready to tick a bunch of y'all off, and I don't even care. All this foolishness about Omicron, oh, my God, a death, dark winter. I rebuke the devil in the name of Jesus. <laughs> Zoom in here. Zoom in here. Zoom in here. Listen to me very carefully. I declare it will not be a winter of death and darkness. It will be a winter of breakthrough and blessing. And I'm not picking a fight. I'm just telling you that in the mouth of a man or a woman is the power of life and death. And I cancel death and I speak life. And I'm going to say it one more time. If you want to wear a mask, you can. If you don't, don't. If you want to get a shot, get it. If you don't, don't. But shut up in the name of Jesus. This is going to be a year of blessing and breakthrough. It is not going to be a year of fear and death in the name of Jesus. And that's not a political statement. That's a statement of life. That's a statement, a spiritual statement, because what we're dealing with is this attempt to put a spell of hopelessness on a nation that God is about to bless with revival. Revival and breakthrough and awakening are coming, and the devil wants you to hide out in your house and stay out of the house of God. But I came to tell you the reason why a banquet has been spread. We're getting ready for the hungry to eat, the lost are going to be found, the oppressed are going to be free. God is getting ready to break through. Shout all over this church. He says, to those, I'm closing in a moment, in a moment, not yet. He says, to those who get their spiritual priorities in order, from among you, there are going to be a 
people, verse 12, who rebuild old waste places. And I got to thinking about this thing. I want you to listen very carefully to me. God doesn't make new things. He makes all things new. Rewind, rewind. That was deep. Revelation 21 verse 5. God does not make new things. He makes all things new. That is enough revelation and reason to praise God until January 1st, 2022. Why? Because God doesn't have to take your mess and your broke down house and your broke down family and your broke down family tree. He doesn't have to wipe it all out and give it all something new. He takes the messed up house and the messed up family and the messed up family tree. He takes the broke down business. He takes the messed up financial plan. All that that fell apart, God doesn't get rid of it and bring in something new. He takes what the devil rejoiced over, thought was finished, thought it was through, and out of the ashes of defeat, God takes up an old thing that the devil thought he destroyed, and God does a new thing out of, I feel something happening in here today. Slap your neighbor, say, neighbor, God makes all things new. He'll take an old marriage and make it new. He'll take an old business and make it new. He'll take a man that's messed up and that screwed up man, he will make brand new. Listen, I'm believing that the message God gave me today is ministering strength to you, bringing hope for your tomorrow. And if this message and the ministry that God's given us is bringing life to you in any way, I'd love for you to consider praying, partnering with Kevin Wallace Ministries, helping us to bring this good news of Jesus Christ to even more people around this country and around this world. If you'd like more information about what we're doing and how you can be a part of it, go to kevinwallace.tv and check it out today. You'll also find a place there where you can leave us your prayer request. Our team and I are going to take your prayer request to God. Pray earnestly for God to turn your situation all the way around. I love you. I thank God for all of our partners and those who are about to join the partnership. And let's see what God's going to do together in our future. Can't wait. God bless. God doesn't have to get rid of you to get rid of it. He'll use you. And out of your broken life, he will bring something new out of the brokenness. That's what a waste place is. Can you put that 12th verse up for me, Chadwick, please? That's what, just leave it up for the rest of the sermon. That's what, that's what that scripture says. Listen, you shall build the, oh, the word build in the Hebrew, actually in the Hebrew, it's rebuild. Promise you, go look it up. It's rebuild. He said, rebuild the old waste places. Here's the thing about an old waste place. It used to have life. It used to live. It used to be an epicenter of activity in life. But something happened. And it got decimated. Have you ever been to a place where one time in your life it was full of activity, full of life, and you went back and checked it out, and it was just dead? Weeds growing up. 
things not living no life there anymore. I've been to hotels like that. When we were, when I was a child, go to a hotel, stay in a place, go back 20 years later, that hotel has all grown up. No life, no business, no commerce, no activity, no, no, no tourists, no, nobody, nobody checking it out. Just lifeless. Reminds me of this campus when we bought it. You drive down some of the roads, grass growing up everywhere, nastiness everywhere. When, we, when God opened the door for us to get this, people found out we were about to get it. I had people call me, you don't want to do that. You don't want to do that. That's a sewer. It's a cesspool. I had a man tell me, that's the worst decision you've ever made in your life. It's a waste. There ain't nothing happening down in the inner city. It's, full, it's overridden with crime. It's overridden with homelessness. It's overridden with all kind of mess. It's overridden with all kind of darkness. And you know what? Some religious people say, that's not where you plant a church. And God said, that is exactly I'm going my car. I got Christmas gifts left to open. I'm going to get me some joy on today. You're not going to steal my joy. I just came to tell somebody that God doesn't go looking for an ideal situation to plant his kingdom. God said find a hell hole. God said find the most messed up, oppressed, screwed up people. Find the place the devil overtook. Find the place that they gave up on. God said if you find that place and put my flag, my scepter of the kingdom in the ground, I'll show up and breathe on it again. I'll give it new life. Somebody praise God in this church. He said, you're going to rebuild. You're not going to get a new thing. I want it. Sometimes you want a new thing. Sometimes I want a new thing. God said, no, I'm not going to do a new thing. I'm not going to give you a new thing. I'm going to take a broke down old waste place thing and I'm going to breathe new life and you're going to rebuild it all. The next thing he said, you will raise up the foundations of many. Y'all missing this. Many generations. Can I prophesy to you that I believe we are about to inherit the labor of generations who labored before us. They did not enter into their harvest, but you and I are gonna reap where we never even planted because God is going to let the synergy of the generations. Oh, you heard what I just said. The synergy of the generations are going to culminate, I believe, in ours. And we're going to reap the prayers and the investment of foundations that have been laid that were never finished. You hear what I'm telling you? This happened in Haggai's day. The people of Israel came back from Babylonian captivity and were getting ready to build a new temple. And they laid the foundation for 15 years. It remained a foundation and nothing else was built. And Haggai rises up and rebukes the lethargy among the people. He said, you live in your sealed houses and look where's God's house laying over there in ruins. You got a foundation, but nobody built it because there was, there was an internal struggle between the old and the new generation in Israel. And the new generation was excited the foundation was built. And the people who had lived in the previous generation saw the size and the, and the, 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 new genera- the, the older generation saw the new foundation and said, oh, that's much smaller than the foundation of the temple that was destroyed and 
and they wept over how small the new temple was and the younger generation was excited that they were going to have a temple and because there was an internal conflict among the people of God, nothing got finished. That'll preach. And after 15 years of doing nothing, Haggai rises up and said, finish what God started. Because a foundation is not to be shouted over if it doesn't become everything God purposed for it to be. Number three, you will be called the repair of the breach. I'm, I promise you I'm hurting. There's only two more. Repair of the breach. Everybody say repair of the breach. Well, why don't we talk about restoration? Because it's futile to restore something that hasn't been repaired yet. You know what a breach is? A breach in the wall of a city as a whole that the enemy can pass through and continue to wreak havoc in a city. And before the city can be restored, God says, I'm going to use you to repair the brokenness and the breach. We need to do some stuff to keep the devil out. I ain't got no help right there. We need to keep the devil out of our churches, out of our business meetings, out of our marriages. Come on, somebody. We need, we need to keep the... Whenever I marry somebody, I pray this prayer. Lord, get the Holy Ghost in and keep the devil out. Because if you leave a crack for the devil in the wall of your life, he will continue to exploit that breach and continue to bring cycles of defeat. And that is what happens in Chattanooga. That is what happens in Tennessee. That is what happens in nations. We leave holes in the wall. We leave places of breach where the enemy can penetrate and can exploit our brokenness. Somebody's got to fix the breach. Somebody's got to stop the enemy from intruding. Do the right thing. And the last thing is, and I'm through, restore paths to dwell in. God wants us to restore places. Julian, if you'll just help me here, I'm transitioning. God wants to restore places that are meant to be inhabited. It's, a, it's, it's like when he says restore a path to dwell in, it's, it's a people who restore a broken down place to the point that it can be lived in again. That needs to happen for you personally. It needs to happen for us corporately. It needs to happen in our nation. We need some restoration people who come into a broke down society. Just this past week I was talking to someone and they began to blame the nation and the government, past, present, future, for all of the ills of society. And I will be the first to tell you, we've had some real jacked up governments and leadership in our nation. But you can't blame a lot of what we're dealing with in America just on our elected leaders. We got to deal with things like fatherlessness, poverty, racism. We got to tackle stuff. I imagine you want me to be the kind of person that runs from that stuff and just has revival. 
But that's not how you fix a breach in a wall. You fix a breach in a wall when you have people who look at you and they look at me. <laughs> they say, that guy, that preacher, he don't care anything about me. That church don't care anything about me. They can't possibly understand my pain. They can't possibly understand what I've been through. They don't know what I'm dealing with. And when you actually engage in touching that brokenness in their heart, what you don't understand is that is like helping to repair that breach in the wall. Because you take from them the opportunity to live in a fence and the opportunity for the enemy to can tell them to, the enemy to continue to tell them that nobody cares. So when we came and we handed out 600 turkeys and meals, boxes, I'm talking about just boxes of food for families. This is where it gets real uncomfortable. And you got red and yellow, black and white, old and young, I love you too. It's okay, y'all. We have conversation while I'm preaching. Jesus. When you have young and old and red and yellow, black and white, ministering to the community and not arguing over what party you're in. Thank you, six, all six of you. You heal stuff. When you help to provide English as a second language for people who don't know how to speak English, you heal stuff. When you stand up against injustice, you heal stuff. When you stand up, and I'm going to tell you this, when you stand up against abortion, you heal stuff. And you say, Pastor, no, that divides. That's political. That's where you're wrong. That's not political. It's kingdom. I got an email, and I'll just say it. I don't care. Three months ago, we have been to your church for two years and love it, but can't come back because your wife and you need to stop talking about abortion. There are many more issues than abortion. And my response was, we love you. I got 10 churches I can point you to right now. But life is the most important thing. Because if we don't get them out of the womb alive, all the rest of it is a mute point. So yes, we're called to rebuild. We're called to bring hope. We're called to restore. So we're going to fast and we're going to pray. We're going to read the Bible. We're going to give. But I don't want you to get so engaged in a personal journey that you become so myopic that you don't see or feel the pain and the plight of those oppressed around us. We're here to bring a redemptive lift. Pull people who have no hope into a place where they can find hope in Christ. Pull people who have given up on life into a, you say, Pastor, what about the prophecy? What about the falling out? What about all? We'll have all that, but if that's all we have and don't make a difference in the community God placed us, we have not pleased the heart of the Father. So I want you to stand with me.
I just believe this house is called to be a house of restoration. That when the storms come in and lives are decimated and destroyed and we look around and see the havoc that has been wreaked into lives of people. It'd be real easy for me to go in my prayer closet, Gary, and just have an encounter. But if I really want my light to spring forth and my health to spring forth speedily, if I really want to experience personal breakthrough, I got to do some chain breaking and some yoke breaking and some removing of some bands of wickedness and I got to stand against injustice and I got to help people who are in the gutter of life and pull them into a place of hope and freedom. I'm going to say this to you and I'm done. There are some people who say, oh, Jesus is the restorer of the paths to dwell in and he's the repairer of the breach and I, I do believe he can do anything, but that's not what this text says. This text doesn't say he'll be the repairer of the breach and he'll restore what it says is those from among you. Those in this room and watching me online, out of this tribe of redemption to the nation's family, there are going to be people who catch the heart of the Father. Lift your hands. I want it to be right now. I believe he's doing it right now. They're going to catch the heart of the Father, and they're not just going to have a spiritual experience for themselves. They're going to make a difference in lives. We're going to be restorers a past to dwell in. We're going to repair, repair breaches. We're going to rebuild broken, old, beat-up waste places. Jesus, Jesus, touch our heart for what touches yours, God. Break our heart for what breaks yours today, Lord. Move on us in ways beyond. Lord, move us out of just our complacency. Help us to see through a lens of love. Help us to see with eyes like yours, Lord. Help us to be perceptive of those who are hurting. Don't let us get so involved in our personal spirituality that we miss the pain of others and the opportunity to help break the bonds of wickedness over their life. Hey family, while your faith is high and while God is speaking to you through this message today, I wanted to end this time together by saying a prayer for you and agreeing with you in prayer that God is gonna meet you right where you are at the point of your need. As we pray, I want you to remember this, nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is too hard for the Lord. You don't have a problem. All you need is faith in God. And today we're going to agree in prayer together for your healing, for your deliverance, for the miracle, for the blessing that you've been waiting on. I believe it's time to pray. Father, in Jesus' name, Thank you for the people of God who are watching today. Thank you for everyone who has tuned in to this, this message and this broadcast. And we are agreeing in prayer right now that every need they have, you are going to supply it. Father, I reach out to you in faith and I pray for the person who has lost that you would save them. For the person who is sick that you would bring healing right now to their body. Father, for the person who needs a miracle financially, a miracle in their home, a miracle in their marriage, there's nothing too hard for you. And in Jesus' name, we speak to that issue. We command those mountains to be moved, and we thank you in advance for your blessing that's coming up on their lives today. In Jesus' name, we receive it. 
amen. Friend, I can't wait to be with you next week. I'm going to keep praying for you until then. God bless you, spread the news, and we'll see you soon. Go in peace.